Welcome back, everybody. Balls and Beards podcast, episode number 11. Sports guy, Chris. I'm here once again with my good friend, Mikey. How you doing today, Mikey? You know what, Chris? I'm doing all right, man. Happy hump day to you. Yes, happy hump day to you. It is Wednesday, of course, <clears throat> of Super Bowl week. We yeah. have a lot of great stuff for y'all today. Of course, we have our big Super Bowl 55 preview. Uh, we've had some big trades happen in the NFL involving two starting quarterbacks and another elite level quarterback that, to say the least, is a little disgruntled. Uh, we'll talk about that. A lot of lot of quarterback news in the NFL. Yeah. But the the NBA, uh, there's a lot going on there too, Mikey. Yes, there uh, is. I I can't wait till a little bit later. You've got some really interesting stats on the yeah. Nets. Bring it. Uh, the Grizzlies, the the Rockets have been on fire lately. And, uh, you know, our buddy Freddie Van Vliet went off last night yeah. uh, big time. Yes, so, he did. And, uh, of course, an interesting courtside episode a couple nights ago as well involving your Lakers. So a lot to touch on. Yeah. Uh, let's dive in with the Super Bowl. Let's of course, the big game this Sunday. We've yeah. got old man Brady in the game for yeah. a 10th time. Which, by the way, that is more than every other franchise except for the Patriots, which at this point is not a big surprise. No, no. Uh, of course, going against Patty Mahomes, the young gun, the yeah. Chiefs, they're there for a second year in a row. All right, let's dive into it, Mikey. Yeah. I want to get your take first. <clears throat> Tell me about this Super Bowl matchup. Who do you like? Who's going who's gonna to hoist that trophy okay, on Sunday so... night? All right, so, uh, uh, you know, I've been kind of going back and forth on this one, to be honest. And this is not, much like many of my picks uh, going into these uh, NFL playoffs this season, uh, you know, it, it's just been gut feeling. It's just been, you know, I, I'm not looking at stats. You know, that's that. I, I, yeah. I, I leave yep. that to you there, sir. Yep, yep. <laughs> but I will say that my record's pretty good. So Yeah, you've uh, been this season, very good. Yes. Pretty good. Yes. Um, now, having said that, you know, I, I've been kind of going back and forth because, mm. you know, as an L.A. guy, as a Los Angeles Laker fan, it's just I'm predestined to not like anybody from New England, right? Fair enough. You know, and anybody that's in relation to Boston <laughs> yep. anything, Boston Red Sox, you know, New England Patriots, yep. the Boston Bruins, you name it, right? Yeah. I can't, I can't go for that team. And even though Brady's not playing for the Patriots, he still is very much a Patriot. Just yeah, like, I know, yeah. you know, Jordan's always a bull regardless of his time in Washington. Yeah, right? good point. Yep. So having said that, you know, I, I've been racking my brain. And, you know, Patty Mahomes, young gun, you know, he, he's, he's bringing something exciting to the NFL. You know, much like uh, a LeBron James or something like that in the NBA, here's a potentially transcendent type player that could really kind of change the way that teams look at quarterbacks. Mm. Um, you know, you've had quite a few guys over the years that have, you know, Michael Vick kind of started things and whatnot and made yeah. it, you know, pretty good for there to be running quarterbacks and guys that don't play within the pocket and mm. all those kinds of things. But you add what Patty Mahomes brings to the table just in terms of his be his ability to throw the ball deep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not just his running ability. I mean, he's got an arm. He can throw it sideways, you know. I mean, he's got all these things and tricks and stuff like that. And you look at somebody like yeah. him. You look at a guy like uh, Jackson, Lamar Jackson. You look at a guy, you know, like a Ky my Kyler Murray in Arizona. Yeah. You know, yeah. these are guys that are really kind of changing what it means to be a quarterback. And and. You know, that's giving offensive coordinator, coordinators, excuse me, you know, all sorts of, of, of happy feet because it's giving them abilities to try new things and, and try and make things work. Now, all of that aside, mm -hmm. my pick for this, this Super Bowl is going to be the Tampa Bay Bucks. Ooh, Tampa Bay going with the underdog. Going okay. with the underdog. All right. Because look, the Chiefs offense exploded last week. They did. They yep. they were playing an inexperienced Bills team. Correct. Yep. Didn't quite know how to handle the moment. Yep. We talked about yep. that on last week's episode. But this is Tom Brady we're talking about. Yeah. And I think yep. we talked about it in last episode. You know, Tom Brady is very much at this point the Tim Duncan of of NFL players. Do Can't you really want to bet against Tom Brady? Do you really <laughs> nah, want to bet against yeah, him? Yeah. Nah. But beyond that, beyond the Tom Brady. Yeah. Straight up. I want this one for Bruce Arians. All right, fair enough, Mikey. I, can I want this one that. as an Being Arizona Cardinals, Cardinals fan. Yep. I want this one for Bruce. Bruce has always done things to the beat of his own drum. Yeah, Bruce. His yeah, sideline style, the way yes. he talks, the way he handles himself, everything that he does has has been his way, 
his mm-hmm. style. Yep. And, you know, for him to get this opportunity here in Tampa Bay and to potentially win a Super Bowl, you know, I, I can't speak for all of the Red Sea, but I think that there's a lot of Cardinals fans that will certainly be going for the Buccaneers as opposed to the Chiefs, if only because of the same reason I am, because of Bruce Arians. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, totally. so that's my pick. Strictly a personal and not at all a stat-based pick. Sure. Um, but I have to go with Bruce, man. I got, uh, I, I'm rooting for Bruce. I don't care. You know, I, I want it to be a good game. I think it's going to be a good game. I think, uh, I think so, too. that that Bucks defense is, 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 is mobile enough. I think that they are agile enough. I think Bruce Arians, as you saw last, last week, or two weeks ago, rather, in the conference championship, Bruce takes enough risks. He does yeah, enough stuff. That's true. You know, um, you know, Brady threw three picks. And they still won. And, yeah. and, and and Bruce does enough things to kind of, and Andy Reid does too, don't get me wrong. Sure, sure. But I think Bruce is probably a little bit more, you know, willing to to test the limits of what he can do, even in a Super Bowl. Because again, yep. that's what Bruce does. Yeah. So that's that's my pick. That, All right, I, Mikey. I'm, I'm going for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There you go, guys. Book it. Mikey's going with Tampa, rolling with Tom and Bruce Arians, you know. I Great pick, you know. Uh, I'll dive in. And yeah, I'll give you all my yours. take. Come on, um, you know, I, I'll start out with a few stats because, you know, that's what I do. That's yeah. my thing. So, yeah. um, it, 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 the the opening line, Kansas City, was at three and a half. It moved slightly to Tampa, or excuse me, it's a half point toward Tampa, down to a three-point favorite. <laughs> They're back up to three and a half. The over-under is at 56 and a half, which would be the second highest over-under total for a Super Bowl game. Uh, the only behind the one from a couple years ago, the Patriots and Falcons 57 was the over under there. So, um, either way, Vegas figures a lot of points to be scored. I think we all figure the same thing, you know, with these two offenses and quarterbacks. So not a huge surprise there. Uh, as far as little betting, interesting nuggets here, uh, teams that have won the Super Bowl are an incredible 46, six in two against the spread. Meaning, uh, you know, uh, favorites, uh, if you win, you cover the spread, basically, is what that is suggesting. Which, of course, if you're an underdog and you win, you've automatically covered the spread. But chances are the winner's going to cover the spread in this one. So, meaning, I don't expect Kansas City to maybe have a blowout, necessarily. So, uh, favorites are 29-23-2 all-time against the spread in the games. Interesting tidbit here. I think it's meaningless, but it's there's going to be people that'll that'll jump all over it, especially Tampa fans. The team wearing white is 13 and three in the past huh. 16 Super Bowls, Mikey. Huh. So you've got that on your side with your pick right now. I'll take it. I'll um, take it. I, don't, I think those jerseys are ugly as sin, but you know, I I agree. I, mean, I uh, agree. You know. Yeah. The other the Chiefs aren't much better, but okay, no, no. I'll take that stat. I like that stat. All right. Uh, and then the AFC is 12 and six in in uh, Super Bowls contested in February. So mm-hmm. a little edge for the AFC there. The over, as far as the point total, is 27-26-1 all-time in Super Bowl. So, not much there. It's about no, a 50-50 that's a, proposition. That's a 500. Yeah, that's, you're batting 500 on that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one maybe is the most surprising to me. Tom Brady is just 4-5 and five against the spread in his nine Super Bowls. Huh. However, the only other time he was an underdog was the very first Super Bowl he was in where they upset the Rams. So, he's 1-0 and as an underdog. Interesting. Uh, and then my, my one other little tidbit before I actually dive into the matchup here is the underdog had won six of the last seven Super Bowls until the last two favorites won with the Chiefs last year and the Patriots over the Rams the year before. So uh, underdogs had been a little little streak there until the last couple. So interesting enough. But now let's dive into the yeah. game, of course. Yeah. So, you know, Kansas City, Tampa Bay. Uh, I, I mean, this has got to be a, a, a really maybe one of those all-time coaching matchups, which I'm not, you know, I, I think that's kind of a little bit under the rug with the two yeah. quarterbacks and everything. But, yeah, you know, sure. Andy Reid, 623 winning percentage in his career. He, he's been coaching for 22 seasons, of course, won the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, Bruce Arians, an assistant forever, right. eight years as a head coach now. He's He's got a 619 winning percentage, including the playoffs. So... Couple of great coaches, yeah, won a sure. lot of lot of games, and two really really great offensive minds. So that's I, I yeah. love the coaching matchup in this one. But breaking down the numbers, uh, Kansas City, to nobody's surprise, was first in the league in total offense, yeah. 415 yards a game. 
They were sixth in scoring, which was a little surprising at 29.6. Yeah. You can uh, get down the field, but you're not punching it yeah, through. Yeah, you know, that. then that was, you know, kind of the big knock the last couple months of the year out of them. Yeah. Uh, defensively, they were 16th, right in the middle of the pack, yeah, 358 exactly. yards a game. But scoring defense was a little better. They were tied for 10th. They gave up 22.6 points a game. So they gave up some yards, but they were a little better once, once they got in the red zone as far as limiting teams. On the other side, of course, Tampa... They were 7th in total offense, 384 yards a game. They were 3rd in scoring at 30.8 points per game. Not a big surprise there. Um, and you look at their playoff totals, 31, 30, 31. So they were right there yeah, at right that there season average, total. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, Defense, they were 6th overall. I don't think that's a big surprise, 327 yards a game. And they were actually 8th in scoring defense at 22.2. So that Tampa team, very solid on both sides of the ball. As you pointed out, you know, defensively, they can really cause some problems. Yeah. So, um, you know, I do believe the Chiefs faced a very stern test last year in the Super Bowl with San Francisco's defense. I think you can draw a lot of similarities. San Francisco had a very dominant front four. I think San Francisco was better in the secondary as opposed to Tampa, but Tampa is certainly better at the linebacker position with, with Levante David and Shaq Barrett. I think those two guys might be the keys in the game, actually. So as we mm. jump into it, um, you know, uh, Barrett had 57 tackles this year, eight sacks. He led the league last year, 19 and a half sacks. But it's what he did against Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, he had five tackles, three sacks, uh, four quarterback hits against, against Rodgers. I mean, he kind of dominated that game. Um, so my thing is, if I'm a Tampa fan... I want Levante David or Shaq Barrett to be the MVP of this game because that yeah. means I'm going to win. Uh, I, these guys have to have a big game because, in my opinion, they're going to actually be the key as to how much they can kind of slow down Kansas City's uh, offense. Well, don't uh, you think, Chris, that this is very much a, a similar situation to um, you know that year that Denver, the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl? Yeah, yeah. Peyton Manning just had to manage clock. Yeah. And yeah. Von Miller and the defense, Denver's yeah. defense, was in there to do the damage, right? Yeah, and if were. I'm not mistaken, Von Miller won MVP. Von that Miller Super Bowl. was the MVP of that because, Super Bowl. Because, I mean, he, yep. he was pressuring. The, I don't even know who that game was against. I remember. Carolina. Yeah, there Carolina. you go, Carolina. So, yep. you know, and, and, you know, but, but that was very much like what you're describing. I mean, what you're describing right now, I can't help but go to that Super Bowl and think about that defense. And yep. obviously, you know, if you're, and I'm sorry to, to interrupt all no, your, no, all your no, beautiful no, no. stats there, but like, you know, <laughs> just from the simple standpoint of you have to slow down Patty Mahomes. Yeah, exactly. If you can slow down him, then your secondary becomes that much better because yep. he's having to take more time to get that ball out of his hands, right? Yep. And it's going to give your defense more time to apply pressure. And even though it's a different beast than Aaron Rodgers, who's not as mobile, doesn't have, you know, mm -hmm. quite, he's not quite that that same athletic Patty Mahomes, um, you know, if that defense, like you're saying, if, if they can get after Mahomes and if they can put some pressure on him and make him make some bad throws and, you know, slow him down, slow down that run, dude, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. That gives the Bucks an excellent chance. And then just Tom Brady's the clock manager, man. That's Put it. Put points on the board, man, and 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 let your defense kind of do your thing. That's it, Mikey. I great points, and I, I and and that's and that's really it. You know, I I I totally agree. I think that uh, the Tampa defense, of course, and not surprisingly, is is going to be, I think, the unit uh, uh, out of both teams that is going to have the biggest impact in in this game, right? So yeah. I think it's David and, and, and Barrett as far as the keys for Tampa in this game. I think it's Travis Kelsey, not a big surprise for Kansas City, but those two linebackers with their athleticism and their speed are one of the few that could actually match up with, a, with Travis Kelsey and his athleticism right. at the tight end position. I mean, that guy is basically a talented wide receiver in a tight end body and it makes it very difficult to try and stop him obviously he tore yeah. buffalo apart yeah. he he had a great game against the browns as well um so i'm i'm really going to be watching that matchup and how they match up against him and how these linebackers are able to cover him and then how they're able to take away the run and then daryl williams is going to be the other guy the x factor kind of left in the breeze for kansas city but he ran for 52 yards and a touchdown last week, only 13 carries. He caught a pass out of the backfield. He's going to have a role. It's going to be, mm -hmm. you know, what they can do. 
And last year in that Super Bowl, they ran for 100 yards. They, they had a, their running back, Damian Williams, the other Williams, was over 100 yards in last year's Super Bowl. I think everybody kind of forgets about that and, yeah. and how that was a key to opening things up in the fourth quarter yeah. for Kansas City. So, right. um, anywho, and then one other one other thing as well is Kansas City's defense is kind of being overlooked as well. They did sack Josh Allen four times in yeah. that game, and they caused headaches for him. They picked him off. Um, it wasn't Allen's best game of the year. You know, right. I think he was just 28 of 48, if I remember correctly. So this might not be a walk in the park for Tom either. Right. You know, they're going to have to do a good job of protecting him as well. well. Yeah, I mean, he threw three picks in the game last yeah. week. So, I mean, it's, he was, it was, exactly. at, you know, two weeks ago, it was it was a tale of two halves for Tom Brady. And only one of those was really caused by pressure. That right. blitz where a guy came in untouched. The other two, he wasn't was under bad, duress. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, good points there as well. So, But I think that if Tampa Bay proved anything, and this is going to be the fun part, is that Tampa Bay, you know, in the conference championship, they put up enough points, and Tom Brady played well enough in the first half that allowed the defense to kind of you know exactly. do their thing in the second half and slow down Green Bay, right? Yep. So, but then you look at the Chiefs, and if I'm not mistaken, they were one of the better comeback teams in the NFL. Absolutely. And yes. so, and when you're when you're rolling out there in the second half, potentially with you know, let's just say hypothetically with the deficit, running out there with with you know Patty Mahomes. You're going out there not with your heads down. You're right. going out there with knowing that you have Patty Mahomes, and if you can keep him on the field, then you're going to have an excellent chance to slow down that defense. You're going to have an excellent chance to score points. And kind of like the Golden State Warriors in basketball, and again, I always compare things to basketball, folks, because that's what I equate everything to. Um, but, you know, it's very much the Golden State Warriors. The Golden yeah. State Warriors can be down by 20, and next thing you know, they go on this, you know, 30 to, to 6 blitz. And, you know, I get it. That's basketball scoring. But they go on this huge blitz, and next thing you know, now they have a 10-point lead. Right. So, yep. you know, the Chiefs are that good, and that defense, as you're describing, is that good that potentially you have a situation where if they're going into the half with a deficit, and they come out in that second half, they know that they can they can put points on the board. Yep. And they, you know what I mean? So, yeah. it, it's yep. obviously, you if you're, if you're Tampa Bay, you don't want to be losing at the half. No. Because no, you don't want that. You no. want to be close. Yeah. You know, probably within six points or so. Yeah. I would I would yeah, imagine. Yeah. You don't want you you'd rather be up six points plus, yeah. but you don't want to be down. No, definitely not. Yeah, nope. that's my thinking. And then, you know, but you'd rather have a bigger lead. I don't think Tampa Bay wins this game if they go into the half with the deficit. I think that's a great point, right? So which brings me to a couple of the keys to the game, right? Yeah, okay. So can it, it I think the biggest key for Kansas City is can they avoid needing the big quarter, right? Yeah. Look at the game. You know, they, they needed they a 21-point second quarter against Buffalo yeah. uh, after the, you know, start 9 to nothing, and you could argue that could have been worse, you know, if Buffalo capitalized a little better. But they, the 21-point second quarter, you go to last year's Super Bowl, they're down 20-10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter, 21 nothing. They outscore San Francisco in the fourth quarter. So can Kansas City avoid having to have that big quarter? And then vice versa, can Tampa get off to a quick start? As you were just hinting on, if if they fall behind right away, I mean, the key to their defense is those boys pinning their ears back and getting after the quarterback. If yeah. you're down 14 points, 10 points, even seven to an extent, it's tough to do that, yeah. especially if you start to get down by a couple scores. Well, for and sure. then that so. offensive line for Patty Mahomes, you know, if if you're if if you're letting if you're not letting the more you play, regardless of how long you've been playing, right? The more that you play in a game, you know, the more confident you feel. So, yeah. if if that if if that if that front line for Patty Mahomes can keep him protected and allow him to make the plays and allow the running backs the space to get some yardage, to get the downs, to get you know, and Patty Mahomes to throw it downfield, then they're just going to get more confident. And the defense on the flip side, if you're Tampa Bay, is going to be, you know, a little bit more frustrated because they're not making the plays that they want to play, right? Mm -hmm. But then the flip side, if that defense gets after it, if they find those nooks and crannies in that offensive line and they're able to pressure Patty Mahomes, then they're going to get more confident as the and and then that that doubt creeps into the offensive line. There there's yeah. so many, you know, things that at play to how this could go. And both teams are very much those kind of momentum driving teams. Yeah. And, yes. and you know, and, and so, yes. And I think the one thing I would worry about if I were a Chiefs fan, like you're talking about with that excellent stat about the fourth quarters and having those big quarters, this is the Super Bowl. You need to play great for, at the very least, three and a half quarters, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, 
Yep. You've got to spread that out. You, and, and I think Bruce Arians and that Tampa Bay coaching staff and that team, they're too good, I think. They've proven it all season long. I think they're too good for you to be like, I'm going to flip the switch now. Like, they, they know they can get after you. So, yeah. I agree. It, it's one thing to do it against the Browns and the Bills, no disrespect to them. I think it's another to do it against a team like Tampa. And, and obviously, with a guy sitting there at quarterback in Tom Brady, this is going to be his 10th time in this one. So, yeah. you, I agree with you. I, I don't think you can afford to have to, hey, we need that big quarter, you know, if, if you're Kansas City this time. So, um we talked about the keys to the game, what yeah. we think needs to happen for both sides. Finally brings me to prediction time. Yeah, so, let, who are you predicting? Well, dude? you know, uh, you know, Tampa benefited from a poor game plan from uh, Green Bay coach Matt LaFleur in the NFC Championship game. In my opinion, it, you know, I think that is an argument that's fairly easy to be made. Yeah. Uh, as well as they had the breaks go their way, right? I think that's also easy to say as well. They benefited in the divisional round from New Orleans going on a turnover spree, four turnovers. Um, I don't think they can count on those kind of breaks in this game. You know, they're going to have to not uh, worry about Kansas City beating themselves because Kansas City doesn't really do that. They're right. too good offensively. Yeah. Um, and when you look at that offense, their offense really accounted for 17 points at the most in that game against the Packers, and you could even argue maybe 10 points on the lower end. So 10 to 17, they're going to need to score more against Kansas City. We know that. Um, the Chiefs played their best game, arguably, since probably October, you could say, with that win over the Bills. Yeah. But as you pointed out, Mikey, um, they had not been playing as well. There's yeah. no doubt about that. That was definitely their best game in a while. But can they do it two weeks in a row? Honestly, right. we didn't see them do it all year long two weeks in a row yeah. if you if you go game by game. So, um, but here we go. Without yeah. all of the extra breaks, I think Tampa comes up a little short in this game. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I see their talented receivers making some plays. I think there's no doubt Tampa's going to make some plays. There are going to be some points in the game. But it's not quite enough. Kansas City pulls it out, thirty-one to twenty-seven. Oh wow! There you go. Four that is game. my pick. Okay. And a big, a big thing is this, right? Kansas City, in my opinion, for all the things we just kind of talked about a little bit, if they do fall behind in this game, they are not going to sit there and be enamored by the Tom Brady mystique and the fact that they have to try and overcome this guy because they're basically built to do that and they're yeah. used to doing that. So. I think Tampa is playing the one team that would not is not going to get overcome by that. Uh, I don't think the the them playing in their home stadium is is much of a deal, no. especially this year with the limited crowd and all that. Twenty thousand fans, so. thirty thousand card, cardboard yeah. cutouts. Yeah, and Tampa was never one of those stadiums where you were no. really like, oh, it's such a hard place to go no. and win a game. No, no, so, no. Um, but that there's my take uh, okay. again. What would I be? I take the Bucks. You take the Chiefs. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. So a little difference there. I like it. I like where yeah. we're on opposite sides there. Yeah. Um, you know, while I've gone against Brady many times and he's burned me i actually think if i remember correctly i'm six and three in super bowls involving tom brady as far as the teams i've picked in those okay. games if i remember correctly so uh we'll see we'll see what happens yeah, but okay. okay there you go mikey's riding the bucks i'm taking the chiefs to go. get it done okay. uh we're both expecting points so i think yeah. if there's one bet you want from both of us go the over i think yeah. it's gonna i think it's gonna hit i think it's gonna go over 56 yeah. so it's not gonna be a low scoring affair there you go, guys. Book it. Yeah. Uh, your Super Bowl preview in the books. Uh, man, I, I can't wait for the game, though. Yeah, I think man, it's going to be, be a exciting. great one, Mikey. Yeah. So um, we're going to take a quick segment break. And when we come back, everybody, we're going to jump into this NFL quarterback carousel talk. Yeah. There's been a lot going on. We'll see y'all in just a sec. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, segment two are ready to dive in, and we had some big quarterback moves. Yeah. You know, one big yeah. trade, Mikey, and yeah. another very disgruntled quarterback yeah. in the news. Let's dive in. Of course, Matthew okay. Stafford was shipped out to the Rams. Yeah, He's now going to be in your division, going against your Cardinals twice a year. Of Bastards. course, Jared Goff goes in return to the Lions. Um, you know, I get to see him twice a year for, for my Packers. I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, but it was a hefty price, right? The Rams paid a hefty price for this. Two first-round picks and a third. 
what does it mean? You know, what what is what does this do as far as the needle uh, for the Rams, and and what does it mean for the Lions? What do you think, Mikey? What what's your take on this trade? Uh, you know, um, I think this this is a trade of convenience for both franchises. Um, you know, you you had two teams where they weren't happy with their quarterbacks. You know, Matthew Stafford has played well. He's put up some good numbers over the years uh, that he's been there. Um, you know, and, and not been, you know, not had great teams, not, not had good success. Yep. You know, er, yep. Detroit seems to be one of those teams that every year you go into the preseason and whatnot. And, you know, there's analysts out there and there's people out there kind of picking them to, to be a division favorite or, or, you know, that this is the year that things turn around <laughs> in Detroit. Yep. And, you know, when, uh, when, uh, Matty P or, you know, whatever, Patricia came from, you know, New England after a New England Super Bowl. You know, there was a lot of expectations and, you know, for a rookie head coach, you know, perhaps, you know, un, unheralded um, expectations. Um, his pedigree is good, but doesn't necessarily mean that you equates to winning right out of the gate. I know he rubbed people the wrong way and stuff like that over his tenure there, which ultimately, outside of not winning enough games, led to his ouster as the head coach. But, you know, I, I think Matthew Stafford's definitely the better quarterback. Um, I think that... It'll be interesting to see what he can do with a team like the Rams. And, you know, Sean McVay, he's got a, a you know, relatively new school type offense there in with the Rams. And so I think it'll be interesting to see what Stafford can do for that. Goff, I, I mean, if I'm a Detroit fan, I probably bury my, you know, my head in my hands a little bit. Um, because I, I think you gave up a guy that you could definitely build around and that you could put out there on the field. And when he's healthy, you know, can, can put you in a position to win games. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but I, I think that now with Jared Goff, I, you know, it's crazy to me how in the NFL, Chris, you have one, one and a half good seasons about, you know, whatever. And, you know, you, you make it to a Super Bowl and you're the you're the guy. Yeah. Right. Yep. And then within a year's time, you fall out of favor. Yeah. You're, you're in and out of the starting lineup. Uh, you know, you're the first yep. stringer, then you're the second stringer, and you get hurt, and, and you know, and it's just, it's it's pretty bonkers to me how not just the Rams or the Lions or, you know, the other franchise that we're going to be talking about coming up, you know, but you've got these Garoppolo-type situations, these, you know, uh, um, Colin Kaepernick-type situations where you've got guys riding the pine, so to speak. They get their moment, they come in, they play well for a brief period of time, and then the franchise quarterback, and I put that in air quotes, guys, yeah. the franchise <laughs> yeah. quarterback is no longer the franchise quarterback. Right. right, yeah. yeah. And you turn on him, and instead of looking at what the potential is in terms of, is it the offense? Is there something we can do offensively to help this guy out? Do we need to bring in a different uh, you know, quarterback's coach? Do we need to do something to help our guy? And, you know, quarterback is such a position in, in my limited viewing of football. It requires a certain level of, of uh, uh, belief in yourself. Yep. But it also requires belief from your, from your coaching staff. Mm. And I think that, you know, if you know that your coaching staff has your back, and regardless of your mistakes or whatever, that, you know, you're not going to be pulled from that starting lineup. I, I, I think Goff, just, he's, he'll get a fresh start. He'll put up some numbers. He might help Detroit win some games. I think I think the Rams won this trade regardless of what sure. they gave up. I think in the short term, yeah. the Rams won the trade. Yeah, I think that's a it's fair gonna statement. I think it's gonna make things interesting um in our division. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think that it's gonna be the Seahawks, it's gonna be the Cardinals, and it's gonna be the Rams. Yeah, I, I mean agree. I think that's the yeah. top three in some I, order. I agree. I, I think San Francisco's got a lot yes. to do. They, yep. they they've got a lot to work on and you know, there's the, the Garoppolo situation there. You know, I, I just I, I think that Stafford's gonna help and he's gonna help, you know, anchor that offense. Yeah. I don't have any, you know, crazy stats other just that, you know, Matthew Stafford's throw, Matthew Stafford, sorry, throws the ball deeper. Um, yeah, then Jared Goff, yep, you know, he's right. second in the league in, in deep ball, deep ball rate. He was, you know, 17%. Jared Goff was dead last in the yeah. NFL at 9%. Um, you know, and, and then when, when Stafford did th throw the ball, he threw it, you know, almost four yards deeper. Yeah. Then, that's a big, then, um, big then Stafford. So you're moving the chains, right? Yep. You're, you know, you're, you're getting that ball down the field and, uh, you know, that offense, as proven a couple years ago, you know, there with the Rams, and even towards the end of this year, 
you know, was kind of coming together a little bit more regardless of the quarterback situation. Um, and their defense has always been good. And I think that's what keeps the Rams in a position to be in competition in our division. But now that you have somebody anchoring, and he's going to be the guy. Yeah. Stafford's oh, going to yeah. be the guy from the get, obviously. Um, you know, so they can build around that. I, I, I do. I think I think the Rams won this trade, unfortunately, for the Cardinals and the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, But, uh, yeah, I, I think that they – because, I mean, that defense is arguably the best defense in the division. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and now if that offense yeah. catches up, you know, I mean, Seattle's defense wasn't that great this last year. You know, Russell Wilson put up numbers, and he yeah. was early on MVP consideration. Um, you know, and that offense is good. They just couldn't – get the stops in Seattle to, to really, really do anything big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Cardinals, they got work to do. Our offense is good. You know, our defense has some catching up to do. We've got sure. good pieces. Yeah. We've got yeah. some good oh, pro yeah. bowlers, Definitely. obviously. Yes, yes. But, you know, I mean, but I think that Rams team, unfortunately. So that's that's my take All on right. the trade. Um, I, great take right there, Mikey. I, I think you, you, you did a great breakdown. And I think the biggest factor you hit on was, was what the Rams were looking for. And that was an improvement for their downfield passing game. Right. I mean, that was really what was missing was the big play, the ability to hit the big play, the ability to push the ball down the field, which is why they went out and got a guy like Stafford, big arm guy. He's had a big arm, you know, the, the whole time he's been in the league and so on and so forth. So um was was the price steep yeah absolutely the price was steep but um you know that's what you have to do to get a premium quarterback so uh very interesting in regards to the fact that the new gm in detroit is actually the guy that was the head of the scouting department for the rams and was the guy responsible for kind of drafting golf so you know, I think he still sees something there in Goff. Um, well, he's got to redeem himself. Man. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, he's got to prove so, that that was worth the pick. Right, right. And and here's the thing, right? The the Rams clearly are are showing their confidence in Sean McVay, right? Because yeah. they have every year since they drafted Goff, they've actually traded out of the first round. They haven't drafted; they've traded those picks away. They did it with the Jalen Ramsey trade two years ago. They're very much trying to win now. Um, what you're going to have to do is Stafford's 32. He, he's got a couple years probably before you can make the argument he's going to start to decline a little bit. So you're trying to get a couple good years out of him. It's going to be right now, but now you don't really have draft capital for the next couple years. You've already traded it away. Now you just traded away the next couple years worth of draft capital. So um, it's an interesting strategy from that regard. Uh, and you know, something funny now it, 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 that just, just to throw this out here, the Rams have dealt a total of nine picks for Jared Goff. When they drafted him and traded up to draft him the year they moved to LA, there was a total of six picks involved in that. And now they just traded three picks to get rid of the guy. So <laughs> nine picks total guys. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. They've been able to win as much as they've been able to the last yeah. few years when you it quite frankly, piss away that many draft picks on one player. So uh, let's see. I mean, the Rams are very much trying to win for the next two years, and I believe that's their window. You better get to the Super Bowl in the next two years because it's yeah. going to slam shut, and you're not going to have draft capital, and you're going to have to pay these wide receivers and the young running backs you have. Andrew Whitworth will be retired by then. He's your best offensive lineman. They've, they, I get what they're doing, but it, it needs to pay off in the next couple years. So. Yeah. Uh, as far as Detroit goes, they needed to get some draft capital. I mean, you know, it was clear they weren't going anywhere. So I think to move on from Stafford was a good move. Um, I'm with you. I don't know if Goff does a whole lot. You know, we'll have to see. Sometimes a change of scenery. Guys, you know, yeah. kind of have a rebound. But uh, I will say I think it's going to be tough to do it in that division with the Packers sitting there. And, you know, Minnesota was down a little bit this year, but is still a pretty good team. And then Chicago is pretty good defensively at the very right, least. Right, so. Right. It, that might be tough there. But anywho, so there's yeah. our take on that big trade. Yeah. Uh, of course, there's one other big quarterback name we want to touch on before we transition into some NBA talk, and that is Deshaun Watson. Clearly, there is some unrest going on down in Houston. Um, they've hired a new GM. They've hired a new head coach. Watson is very disgruntled. He thought he was going to be involved in this process. Clearly, his his deal is with the ownership and Cal McNair. Um, so the big question is, will he be suiting up for the Texans next year? Mm. Will he be going somewhere else? Will he be sitting out pulling a uh, Carson Palmer a la a few years back there for the Bengals? 
Mikey, what's your take on yet another mess with a Houston sports franchise? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I was reading a pretty interesting article on uh, Bleacher Report, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, there was a, an executive that said that, um, you know, I've seen several contracts through the years with a no-trade clause. I've yet to see a must-trade clause in a contract. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, if, if I'm Deshaun Watson, I understand your frustration. You're coming off of one year where you were damn near close to the Super Bowl, um, you know, and then the following season, you're absolutely atrocious. Like, you didn't even, you didn't even make 500, right? Like, you were under 500. Um, you know, you, you had your, one of your franchise guys and J.J. Watt calling out the team because of a lack of heart, because of a lack of trying, because of, you know, all these various and very real things as a professional athlete that you have to contend with. And I'm not saying that that's easy, um, you know, because at the end of the day, it is a job for them. And, you know, I get it. Not everyone wants to show up to work every day. The problem is, is that with that team atmosphere, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff bleeds through. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think, look, it doesn't, I get it. You know, you and I talked before starting, you know, recording today, you know, Watson had three years of his money guaranteed and given to him up front. Yes. Yep. So he could say, na 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 na. Yeah. I'm going to sit this out. I mean, financially, he potentially loses out on, you know, quite a bit of bonus money. Um, yeah. He could be fined up to just for the off season and preseason if he doesn't show up to camps, things like that. He could be fined up to two point four million dollars. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of money that he could be leaving on the uh, on the table there. Absolutely. And and I I think here's the other thing. Look, I I think he's going to play. I I think that it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I, you know, you do have a new head coach, you do have a new GM. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would hope that as a if I were a Houston fan, that you would want to at least sit down with them and say, "Hey, look, you know, let's. What do you have? You know, and maybe it shouldn't be like that, but that's the way I think it it should go. I, I, I think, but. My thing is this, uh, you know, he, try, I'm trying to find the words, like, you know, he very much seems that he hasn't won a whole lot. It's, it's really tough to make trade demands or do anything of the sort, especially in the NFL, where but you haven't, you don't have that resume to really back it up. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and and then you know the idea of sitting out is if I'm a, if I'm a rival team, you could be the utmost talented player. Yeah. But now I have to question your commitment to my team when you come to my team. Yeah. The first sign of adversity, Chris. Yeah. Are you going to be pouting on the sidelines? You know, throwing your helmet on the sidelines or cussing out the coach or your offensive line or. You know, are you going to be doing things because you have a, a bit of frustration? I, I just don't know, you know, I, I just don't know like mentally or, or not even mentally. I just don't know if I'm a front office rival and I'm looking at the situation in, in Houston. I don't know if I make a trade for him. I don't care how talented you are. Yeah. I want to, because he's not committed to that team now. Right. One year removed right. from making a deep playoff run. Right. I don't know, man. Like, I, yeah. I, I, this isn't a Matthew Stafford situation. This isn't, you know, a J.J. Watt situation. You know, it's it's just not. It, yeah. Th- this is a Deshaun Watson situation. You've been eclipsed mm-hmm. by these other young quarterbacks. Yeah. Jackson in Baltimore, Patty Mahomes in Kansas City, you know, Josh Allen in Buffalo, you know, Kyler Murray in, in, in Arizona. You've got a lot of these names that are out there in terms of, you know, these up-and-coming quarterbacks and MVP caliber quarterbacks and Super Bowl caliber quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, another one. You know, you've got all these guys, man, and you're getting lost in that shuffle. And, you know, I think that he doesn't have the resume to back up those kinds of demands. Carson Palmer, at least in, in, in Cincinnati, Cincinnati was competitive. At yeah, the very yeah, least, yeah. in in that division, they put up points. They 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 right. you know they did things. Yeah, and so you know, and he sat out. You know, he had an okay career after that. But I just it, I just think it hurts you more so when you make these kind of ridiculous claims and you use the media or your agents or whatever it is. Or mm-hmm. hey, I just think it makes things that much messier and it puts Houston in a bad spot because you bring in a new head coach, you bring in a new you know GM, and you want yeah. your franchise guy. 
to exactly. be there to rally yeah. the troops. And that's the other thing. If I'm the teammates in, Tex- in Texas, you know, do I, do I, if this guy does play, does he, is he going to full goal? If he's, is he going to go full bore? Is he going to, I don't right. know, man. I, I, I just, I think he's going to play for the Texans. I don't think that there's any trades. I don't think there's anything out there for them. They don't have the draft picks to be able to pick a, a backup for him or, or pick up a replacement for him. So it would have to be out there on the trade market and they would have to run with some, you know, AFL, you know, third stringer, you know what I mean? Sure, and, sure. And I don't know. I, I just don't know. I, I think he stays, though. Okay. I, Mikey, I like your take. Uh, I thought you made some excellent points there, especially about, look, this guy isn't Tom Brady. This guy isn't Aaron Rodgers, you know? Yeah. Did you win a couple divisions for the Texans in your first few years? You did, but you didn't really do anything in the playoffs, you know? Yeah. yeah they, they had the great game against Kansas City and then blew it and lost, you know? But it, 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 they were on to something. And it, it honestly, since that division around loss last year, the wheels just completely fell off, right? You traded yeah. Hopkins and uh, fired your coach, and it's been a mess ever since then. So um, I, I, I agree with your points in that regard. You know, um, I, I don't think Watson is one enough. I, I don't think he's established enough necessarily to be making the kinds of demands that he is. Um, that being said, it is the era of player empowerment, so I understand all of this. Um, and I guess, look, if Cal McNair and the ownership group really sat down with him and said, hey, uh, we do want you to be involved in the GM search. We do want you to be involved in, in terms of choosing the head coach. And he gives you his input and then you blatantly ignore it and don't consult with him again. If that's really what happened there, that's a horrible move for the front office. You know, yeah. look, you don't have to acquiesce to a player you know you don't have to do that nobody else does that especially in nfl you don't necessarily have to do that but when you tell them yeah we're going to make you involved in the process let's have an open dialogue you open that door yourself so now they're trying to clean up a mess that they created themselves in, in my opinion so um and i think you're right i don't think it's as easy as well there's this many teams that he could go to so it trades a foregone conclusion well there has to be. There's only so many teams that have enough draft capital to be able to pull it off. Because while the Texans are saying they're not going to trade him publicly, they're leaking privately. This is what we want to get, and it yeah, starts yeah. with like two firsts, two thirds, yeah. and two starters on defense, and all this kind of stuff, which is what you'd want. He's right. 25. He's in his prime. And he just had the best year of his career. But I heard something interesting. One NFL expert the other day said. Well, they went four and twelve with him. They could go four and twelve without him and get a lot of draft picks and save a lot of money. And I thought, you know what? That's a really good point, right? Yeah. Uh, so that all of that being said, but here's one interesting thing: Nick yep. Casario, the new GM, uh, the guy that is the head of the football operations as well, are old Patriots guys. They they just came over from the Patriots regime of the last twenty years. They were responsible for bringing in a certain Jimmy G over there. And while it's not being broadcast, I know they love Jimmy G. Guess who wants to move on from him? San Francisco. I would not be shocked at oh. all. And that, and I, this is just conspiracy speculation from me, but Uh-oh. I would not be surprised at all to see Jimmy G end up with the Texans because okay. I really think they still are in love with him. And uh, I think they think they can make it work. Now, does that mean he gets traded directly to San Francisco? I don't think so, because I don't think San Francisco has enough capital to pull it off. But maybe they listen to him and say, okay, we trade you to the Jets. And then they turn around. Look, I've heard San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan really like Sam Darnold's arm. Who knows? Maybe they get Darnold, and then they ship him back and get Jimmy G. Who knows? It'll be an interesting thing. But... um, I, I'm I'm going to say right now, I think he gets traded. I don't okay. know where. I'm, I'm just floating a couple of these scenarios. Yeah, yeah, but, okay. Uh, okay. You know, we'll have to see. It's an yeah. interesting thing, Mikey. We'll definitely yeah. keep our eyes on this yes, we will. as it develops. But a uh, quick segment break, and we're going to yeah. get into some NBA talk before right. we wrap it up today. Yeah. We'll see you all back in just a moment. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're going to get into our final segment of the day with some NBA talk. Mikey, I'm yeah. going to turn it over to you. I know you got a lot of great stuff with us yeah. as far as the NBA. Um, jump right in, my friend. The floor is yours. All right. So uh, at the top, I, I kind of want to uh, you know just acknowledge, um, and it'll lead into the following thing. 
Um, and then just two really quick, um, you know, kind of blurbs about some some events that have happened the last week. Sure. One of them is is that Houston's currently riding a uh, six game w- game winning streak outside of the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, that, huh? uh, you know, they've got one of the best winning streaks, especially since you know Utah lost a couple days ago. Right. right. Um, you know, and over the span of that six games, Houston currently is riding the best defensive rank out of all thirty wow. NBA teams. Wow. Huh? So Christian Wood, you know, Victor Oladipo, John Wall. You know that team is 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 really kind of coming together. Um, Got rid of a guy that doesn't play defense, and all of a sudden sudden, they are. Yeah, exactly. And so you know they're putting them in a position where you know I picked them to fall out of the playoffs. Um, Me too. But they are they are very much in a situation where you know they could be playing for the play-in, and um, you know if they continue, if Oladipo doesn't miss a lot of games, I think that you know they could very well be in a situation where um, you know they could they could be good. um, and so, so then you have, uh, you know, so the, yeah, the, the Houston Rockets are seven and three over the last 10 on a six game winning streak. The Nets are also, you know, now seven and three after their victory over the uh, Los Angeles Clippers last night, which leads me to the new uh, Brooklyn Nets and a really fun uh, and, and not at all surprising stat uh, really in the grand scheme of things about the Brooklyn Nets since James Harden came over. Oh, I can't wait to hear uh, it, Mikey. And this is an interesting one, too, before I get into the really fun one. I just read this morning that after James Harden's triple-double last night, um, he uh, ha- out of his nine games that he's played with Brooklyn, Chris, mm-hmm. four out of those nine he's had uh, a triple-double in. Oh, wow. Um, so just an interesting stat. Interesting. Um, now, here's, here's, here's the fun one. Since the Harden trade, the, the Brooklyn Nets are currently riding a, uh, as of a day or two ago, they're currently riding 122.6 offensive rating. Wow. Which would be, Ooh. and currently is, the best in the league. And if the season ended or if it continues to ring true, would be the best offensive ranking of all time. Wow. Better than even the, the Dallas Mavericks of last season okay. with Luka Doncic. Here's the, here's the one that's not at all surprising. We, well, either one's really not that surprising, I guess. It's just shocking when you hear about it because we knew that this was going to be a good offensive team. We right. Oh, that. yeah, definitely. Yep. But here's the thing. They're currently, the Brooklyn Nets are currently riding a defensive rating of 119.9. Wow. Which would be the worst of all time. <laughs> so you have this team that potentially has a chance to do something historic on the offensive end. You know, once again, uh, you know, a team that people were, us included, not really sure how pieces were going to fit. How does Kyrie fit with KD, fit with Harden? You know, Harden needs the ball in his sure, hands, right, you know. Right. Four out of nine games, he has a triple-double. So clearly something's going right. Yeah. The problem is, is that you also have the potential to be the worst defensive team in history. Wow. And we <laughs> all know that regardless of how prolific the offenses get in the NBA, Come playoff time, and in particular, the second round on, yes. and, and, and midway through the second round, it seems that things start clicking defensively. Defense wins championships. Yeah, I totally agree. And you can't yep. look at that Nets roster and tell me that there is any one defensive stopper on that team. Exactly. Not one. Yeah. And it, it, the interesting thing is, is that, you know, you had... You have to play, in order to have yourself a chance to win a game, Chris, for mm-hmm. Brooklyn, you need, mostly, you need two out of the big three to play. Oh, right, yeah. Consistent. Yeah, yep, yep, definitely. Which means you have Harden and Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant has his moments defensively. But Kyrie and Irving are not known as prolific defenders. They're not yeah. going to make all NBA defensive teams. No, not. definitely not. First, no. or, first, second, or third team, right? No, no. So, on Sunday... When they lost to the Washington Wizards and gave up 148 points, they allowed the Wizards to score 48 points in the fourth quarter. When you would expect a, pro, a, a, a elite team to crank up the defense, to get the stops, right? But they put uh, Bruce Brown in the game instead of James Harden. So it was Bruce Brown... Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, and Jeff Green. So they went with this kind of, you know, okay. small ball lineup. All right. However, defensively, you've got four schmucks out there that yes. can't do squat. Yeah. And one yeah. guy that's going to be responsible. Look, 
if they had a Tayshawn Prince on their team, if they had, which they did have a Prince on their team, they and, did, and yeah. they traded him, Torian Prince. Yeah. If they had a Tayshawn Prince, if they had a Bruce Bowen, if they had a Meta World Peace, a Rajah Bell, if they had somebody that could go up against, you know, the other team's best player. Yep. Or at least guard the best team's player on multiple occasions and switch off. I know it. There's teams, every team's got like one or two super, you know, two or three superstars, it seems. Take your pick. Pick your poison. Right, yeah. But they don't have that. The no. Nets don't have that. So how this team can continue going on at this rate and be a contender when you've got the Boston Celtics playing good basketball, you've got the Philadelphia 76ers yeah, playing, playing good playing basketball, good. Yeah. Indiana's playing good basketball, um, Milwaukee's playing good basketball, yeah. and all of those teams play good good defense. Yeah, exactly. You know, Miami hasn't quite yeah. landed into form yet, and who knows at this point if they're going to. Um, you know, right. you, yeah. you've got... Atlanta playing better defense. Yeah, definitely. Um, you yes. know, Atlanta Good gave point. the Lakers kind of a run for their money until they the Lakers did. kind of turned things up a notch there uh, the other day on Sunday. You know, and so when you have all that going on, it's not come playoff time. It's not about outscoring the other team. Right. I mean, that's how you right. get a W. I get it. Yeah. But you got to get stops. Yeah. And if totally you're going to give up 48 points. And you're going to let a team that's been arguably the worst team in the NBA for this season, the, Washington, the Washington Wizards, you're going to allow them to score 48 points. I just don't know how you can continue to be a contender. I, Mikey, I totally agree, right? I mean, and the, uh, they blew a couple games to the Cavs right away, too. Not that the Cavs are bad. I mean, right. they, they're hanging in there. But let's be honest, nobody's got the Cavs pegged for an elite-level contender. They're just yeah. not. So... I, I, those are great stats, Mikey. I, I totally agree. And so basically what you're saying is maybe we could pump the brakes yes, until this absolutely. team shows at yeah, least that yeah. they can defend somebody. Because no, uh, even, even Steve Nash when, and Mike D'Antoni, when Steve Nash played and Mike D'Antoni, you know, was the, the head coach yes. in Phoenix, Amari Stoudemire could still relatively protect the rim. He could. You're right. You, you had, and, yeah. and on that team, Chris, you had Sean Marion, who you was did. no slouch defensively. No, and you had Rajah Bell on that Raja team. Rajah Bell, who was a really good and, defender. And, and yeah. yes, they, they put up points. They were a prolific offensive team. Yeah, right. But they were competitive enough that they got stops down the stretch. Exactly. They made plays down the stretch. And yes, and they hid Steve Nash in there. They, you know, they, they, they did things to mask him. And Steve Nash, to, I think is a relatively good team defender. He he tends to know his where he needs to be. He tends yeah. to know he can play those passing lanes. He can gamble a little bit. You know, but he knew to funnel his guys towards Sean Marion, towards yeah, Amari right. Stoudemire yeah. and those kind yeah. of things, right? So, but at least you had that Sean Marion or that Raja Bell that could good guard points. the Kobe Bryants. Yeah. They could guard the other team's best players. Right. They don't have that. And Kevin Durant has never shown a propensity for being that guy that wants to be that stopper on the no, team. No, yeah. So, yeah. until that team, yeah, pump the brakes 100%. Hell, hit the emergency brake. Yeah, I like it. it. Yes. You don't. Yes. This is not a team that in that Eastern Conference, on paper, are they talented? 100%. As a basketball fan, do I want to see them putting up 150 points? Absolutely. But don't tell me that that team is a contender. Not at all. I agree, Mikey. I like to take. Absolutely. Great, great stuff. Great stuff. Thank you. So, yes. here, wrapping it up real quick. Yeah, let's yeah. give a shout-out to Freddie Van Vliet. Went off for a career-high 54 Woo. points uh, the other last night. Um, got the W, um, you know, he set a record for most points by an undrafted player in the common draft era. So that's anytime 1966 and after he passes Moses Malone's 53 right. points yes. that happened in 1982. Yes. So, you know, here's a guy that, you know, if you are the Alex Caruso's, if you're a G league guy, if you're a guy that doesn't get drafted yep. in this last draft, there was a lot of talent that didn't get drafted because there wasn't a lot of, there was no college ball played. Yeah. There wasn't yep. the scouting that there normally is. You know, Freddie Van Vliet is a good example of what hard work and all that kind of stuff can do for you. It pays off. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry had a triple-double in that game uh, as well. You know, kind of like the Washington win over, over the Nets. Is this a turning point for Toronto? This was a pretty big game. It was. It could be one of those, you know, tentpole-type games where maybe you look at it and down the road and, you know, that might have been a turning point perhaps. Yeah. Um, you know, it's clear that Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry can play together. Um, you know, it's not an either or type of situation. Um, so I, I like that. I hope for basketball's sake, because Toronto's a good team and the NBA is better for it. 
I agree. Um, yeah, I agree with Canada you. only has one team, so yeah. damn it, let's let's make them a good team at least. There we go. Um, so yeah, so shout out to Freddie Van Vliet on that. That's pretty huge. Absolutely, and that uh, that that broke the franchise record too, right? Yes. Demar Derozan, yep. he passed him up. Yep. Nice, nice. Yeah, Derozan yep. even uh, uh, you know gave him a shout a out. Shout out. Uh, yeah. Nice, nice. Hey, I you know yeah. maybe and and this is a thing maybe where I think guys need to it, when it comes draft time. Freddie won a lot of games at Wichita State in yeah. college. Mm-hmm. He he was there for what, all four years. You know mm-hmm. he he won a lot. Came into the league experienced. Sometimes it's okay to draft a guy that wins a lot in college and, and plays, and plays four, years. Yeah. four years. Like he can make a difference right yeah, away yeah. instead of sitting on your bench for three years. Right. But, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Shout out to Freddie. Big one That's there. A huge one. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on here in the yeah. last closing minutes of our of our episode this week. You know, you've got this courtside Karen situation, right? Down in <laughs> yeah, Atlanta with the Lakers ago, yeah. and, and the Atlanta Hawks and, yeah. you know, LeBron James. And, Flexing hard. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, this, stero- this old man steroid uh, uh, bleep. And, yeah. You know, like, look, I, the, the fans, let's, let's be real here. The fans got kicked out because they were pulling their masks off. It had nothing to do with them talking yeah, smack with an yeah. NBA player. You know, LeBron James came out after the fact, said, hey, he, he loves it. He misses the fans. He, he, he doesn't think that they should have been kicked out of the game. And I get that, and I understand that. And talking smack, talking trash, I mean, that's a part of the game. Yeah, you know, absolutely. When you allow fans that close, yeah. you know, you know, I've never yeah. been, I've never sat that close, but, you know, I know what I say in the cheap seats. I can only imagine what's said on the, on the court exactly. side seats. Yeah. So these guys are used to it. it yeah. It's not that these guys are sissies or anything like that, um, you know, or, or, or sensitive to, to what's being said a lot of the times. Not to say that people don't maybe cross the line at some points. But, you know, this was a situation of they got a little too rowdy. They had a little bit too liquid courage, especially the wife, right? The courtside Karen herself, you know, had a little bit too much liquid courage. She came out and apologized today on her Instagram. There was a statement thing and said that she got carried away and she was in the heat of the moment. Um, But they got kicked out because they pulled down their masks. Yeah. But, I mean, Chris, I just want to get your kind of thoughts, man. Sure. what, What is... What is proper conduct? Is that, you know, are you cool with them fans being that close and in a situation where some, I mean, you look at the Ron Artest situation and the Malice yeah. and the Palace. I mean, I yeah. get it. That was a cup thrown on Ron Artest when yeah. he was laying on the scores table. But, you know, I almost like not having fans right there courtside. You have yeah. less spills. You've got all the, it's safer, I think, for players when they're chasing after loose balls. You're not crashing into chairs yeah. and fans. And from an offensive, from a, from a, Financial perspective, I get why you have sure, it because it sure. puts a lot of money in your pocket. But I just don't. I don't know, man. I I just think that there's and there is code of conduct. It's on printed on ticket stubs. But you know, what's your take on this, man? Yeah, you know, I mean, I get both sides. I I, I see both sides of the coin, right? Because th- these guys are are people at the end of the day, and. You know, n- none of us want to go to our regular jobs and be harassed and everything just because somebody's spending money there, right? So right. I get that point. Then I also get the the fans' point of view. I pay a lot of money to come here. I'm basically paying your salary. But, you know, so where do you draw the line? What does that give you a right to say and not say? Like you pointed out, heckling's been a part of the game for a long time. I mean, you know, I'll be completely honest. I had worse things said to me than what was said by that lady when I played high school basketball in freaking Wisconsin. She said she was She told LeBron to sit down in a game that, for one, he doesn't sit down. And two, the dude's 6'8", 6'9", of... 250. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you're a short little blonde let's, woman. Like, let's you be serious? honest. Like, you're not going to mess anybody up. No, so, neither is your husband. No, let's, no, let's definitely not. Yeah. So from that standpoint, non-issue, uh, you know, I that that is whatever. But I, I kind of agree with you. I don't know. I think it might be a good idea to move the fans back a little bit at least. I Like you said, I understand the financial implications, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, and again, with, with the limited capacity, I think that made it even more so. You could, I mean, you could I'm sure you could hear, you know, if this is a full stadium and everybody's screaming and waving their things like normal and everything, maybe, maybe they don't even, you know, this is a non-issue no. completely. So, um, I don't know. That's my take. I get both sides of the coin, but I would say just because you're paying money doesn't necessarily give you the right to disrespect people. So, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a person and, you know, if I was playing a game and making a lot of money and somebody said some things that were disrespectful and hurtful, 
I'd probably be upset too. Yeah. So I think you got to draw a line at something. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you you know, we're we're closing coming in in the last minute. But I mean, you you know, you had a situation like with, I think it was Russell Westbrook last season or whatever it was. That's where, right. Yeah. You know, he was on the road and he got into it with a fan and you know Chris Paul. I think that's happened too as well. And you know, who knows what's said? And those fans ended up getting kicked out of the game and you know banned and banned from those respective arenas. You know, and, and I think that, you know, the, the, the swearing and the, you know, you suck and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, let's be real. The NBA and, and arenas, they promote this kind of stuff by giving you the little inflatable tubes when yeah. they're shooting free throws yeah. in the second half on the opposing side of well, the court. that's true, yeah. You know, I mean, they, they encourage the heckling because, I mean, that's part of going to a game yeah. regardless of the sport, man. Like, yeah. you're in the cheap seats at Dodger Stadium or whatever, man. Like, you know, that, that, uh, that comes with the territory. But, hey, man. This has been a great episode. Great episode, Mikey. I love it. Down to the second. We'll see you next week.